You're listening to Time in the Word. The Epistle of Jude is perhaps one of today's most neglected and seldom preached New Testament epistles. Yet in reading it, you almost get the sense that Jude just got done writing it to the 21st century church in America. In a way, few books in the New Testament have more to say to our generation than the Epistle of Jude. Dr. Miguel Gonzalez begins a verse-by-verse exposition of this important and truly relevant letter. He will help us navigate through and understand the text while contextualizing its message by providing several important and practical applications. In today's study, Dr. Gonzalez points out the Christian's invulnerable position and invaluable possession. Christians have been sanctified, preserved, and called. As bondservants of Christ, we are the recipients of the divine provisions of mercy, peace, and love. As God speaks to you through this series of studies and you experience God's love and grace in your life, we encourage you to share these podcasts with others so that they too may be blessed by God's amazing grace. Now, here's today's teaching from Dr. Gonzalez. Let's turn our Bibles to Jude and we will read verses 1 and 2. Jude a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are the called, loved by God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. May mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. So Jude begins his epistle by declaring his relationship with and position in Jesus Christ. And he lists five things that are true of all true Christians. First, believers are servants. Notice what he says in Jude 1. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ. This describes one who willingly gives up his or her personal freedom to serve another. A bondservant is not someone who is taken against his will and forced to serve, but is one who voluntarily gives himself to the service of another. So Jude's heart was to serve, and this is in keeping with the example of our Lord. You recall in Mark 10.45, the Lord says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. A servant, as it is for all Christians, so it was for Jude. And here's an important truth. Individuals closest to the Lord took joy in calling themselves bondservants. The question is, do we? Jesus Christ is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And as such, he is our rightful ruler. At times when each of us is tempted to take offense at the notion of having to yield to the authority of another, let's remember Jude. He will have more to teach us about the importance of living under authority in this letter as we move forward. I want to give you a quote from Frederick William Robertson. He said, It is not the possession of extraordinary gifts that makes extraordinary usefulness but the dedication of what we have to the service of God. The second thing that Jude points out is that believers are called. He says, to those who are the called. That phrase pictures what happened in the past. Believers have been called to be saved. Being called is also referred to as elected or chosen or predestined. God's Spirit calls people out of darkness into the light of Christ. He convinces them of their sinfulness, and He shows them what Christ has done for them, and then He brings them to Christ. This occurs by God's grace and love alone. So salvation is the result of the call of God. 
God has called sinners out of the world by the gospel to belong to himself. So they are set apart by God to be God's special and pure people. The whole ministry of Jesus was calling sinners to repentance and salvation. Matthew 11:28 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. John tells us of Jesus bidding the multitudes to come. In John 7:37, we find this, On the last and most important day of the festival, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. God says a great deal about this calling in Scripture. Let me provide some examples. In Romans 8.28, Paul says that we are called for his purpose. He says, We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Paul also tells us in 1 Corinthians 1.9 that we're called to fellowship with Christ. There he says, God is faithful. You were called by him into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. In 1 Corinthians 7.15, he says that we're called to peace. There he says, but if the unbeliever leaves, let him leave. A brother or a sister is not bound in such cases. God has called you to live in peace. In Galatians 5.13, he's called us to liberty. There Paul says, for you were called to be free, brothers and sisters. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. In Ephesians 4.4, 4, he says that we have been called to a hope. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling. And then Peter, in 1 Peter 1.15, says that we are called to holiness. There Peter writes, but as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. Then in chapter 3 and verse 9, Peter says that we're called to inherit a blessing. He says, not paying back evil for evil or insult for insult, but on the contrary, giving a blessing since you were called for this so that you may inherit a blessing. And then as a final example, let me uh, give you First Peter 5.10, where Peter says that we're called to eternal glory. Listen to what he says, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered a little while. And it is our responsibility to walk worthy of that calling. Listen to what Paul said in Ephesians 4.1, Therefore I, the prisoner in the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received. And then the third thing that Jude points out is that believers are loved. He addresses this letter to those who are the called, loved by God the Father. The verb form of loved refers to a past action that continues into the present. So God's love prompted his call. His love will continue now and forever. Loved is in the perfect tense, affirming that it is a settled reality for the Christian. The emphasis here is that we are loved, abidingly so, by the Father. And this is the only place in the Bible where this phrase, loved by God the Father, appears. God loves his children. For those of us who are in Christ, he is now our Father. 
and he loves us with a perfect and permanent love. This love is not whimsical. It's not fleeting. It's not conditional. You can do nothing to make him love you more. You can do nothing to make him love you less. No, as 1 John 4.10 beautifully puts it, love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Fourth, Jude points out that believers are kept to those who are called, loved by God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. The word translated kept is also in the perfect tense, affirming that it is a settled reality for the Christian. That word means to protect, to keep from harm, or to preserve. Here the emphasis is that we are kept safe in our salvation by Jesus Christ. Hebrews 7.25, which says, Therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, since he always lives to intercede for them. That verse links our eternal security to the intercessory prayer ministry of Jesus. In fact, Jude 24 says that he will keep us from stumbling and will present us to the Father without blemish and with great joy. The Bible's witness on this critical doctrine of God's preserving work is very clear. By his work on earth, Jesus obtained our salvation. By his work in heaven, Jesus maintains our salvation. Verses 6 and 13 of Jude tell us that God is preserving fallen angels and apostates for judgment. He is preserving us for glory. Now, there are some who believe and teach that it is possible for a true believer to sin and become lost. However, the Bible clearly teaches that those who are truly saved will never perish, according to John 10.28. By believing in Christ, the Christian receives a salvation that cannot be taken away or forfeited. Nothing can separate the believer from the love of Christ. This is not to say that a believer will never backslide, for many do. Eternal security, or God's preservation of the saint, simply means that once an individual has placed his faith, his trust, in the person and the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Lord saves him, then he will be forever kept for Jesus Christ. There will never be a time in which a true believer is not in Christ. Salvation cannot be lost, it cannot be taken away, it cannot be given up. He is saved and secure for eternity. John 3.16 says, For God loved the world in this way. He gave His one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. Consider the words eternal life. Many scriptures make it clear that the person who is trusting Christ as their Savior, has everlasting life. For example, John 5.24 says, Truly I tell you, anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not come under judgment, but has passed from death to life. Notice that the Bible doesn't say, He that believes on the Son will someday have everlasting life or might have everlasting life. No, it says, has, present tense. Eternal life is a present possession of all believers. God does not take back the gifts that he gives. 
So those who hold to this Bible doctrine of eternal security are simply exercising faith in what God has said. When Jesus says in Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave you or abandon you, we believe that. When Jesus said in John 6, 37, everyone the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will never cast out, we believe him. When Jesus says in John 10, 28, I give them eternal life and they will never perish, no one will snatch them out of my hand, we take him at his word. Jude knew that his salvation was secure. Like Jude, every believer must stand against the wiles of the devil and the wickedness of the apostates. No child of God can be a top-notch soldier and battle the enemy the way he should unless he or she has complete assurance of salvation. The devil has used the false doctrine of falling from grace to take many out of the battle. And the fifth thing he points out is that believers are recipients of divine provisions or blessings. Once Jude establishes the fact that believers are servants called, loved, and kept, he says, mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. God's desire is that mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to those faithful to him and his word. By the way, these three blessings are especially needful when contending for the faith. The epistle concerns itself with apostasy. God's people need mercy during such times. Mercy means God's compassionate comfort and care for his beleaguered saints in times of conflict and stress. We serve a God who is rich in mercy, Paul tells us in Ephesians 2.4, and exhorts us in his word to therefore let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need, Hebrews 4.16. And we certainly need mercy when dealing with apostasy. The next great blessing the believer needs is peace. The ungodly do not have and will not have peace. Listen to what Isaiah 57, 20 and 21 say, and I like the way the New Living Translation renders that text. It says, But those who still reject me are like the restless sea, which is never still, but continually churns up mud and dirt. There is no peace for the wicked, says my God. But as believers... We can have the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, Philippians 4, 7. Peace is the serenity and confidence that come from reliance on God's word and from looking above circumstances to the one who overrules sovereignly all circumstances for the accomplishment of his own will and his own purposes. One of the ways that we can enjoy peace is to keep our hearts fixed on Christ. Isaiah 26, 3 says, You will keep the mind that is dependent on you in perfect peace, for it is trusting in you. Then there is love. The word for love is agape. It is Calvary love. This is the kind of love that is sacrificial, kind, pure, peaceable, humble, and giving. While we must stand strong and unwavering amidst the onslaught of apostasy, we must nevertheless stand with the right attitude. We must remember what Paul said in Ephesians 4.15, speaking the truth in love. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your precious word. 
We thank you for this salvation that we have in Christ Jesus. We thank you for your mercy, for your love, for your peace. We thank you for the fact that we are now your bondservants, that we have been called, that we have been set apart, that we have been loved and are loved, and that we are being kept until glory. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness to us. May we be found faithful to you as we obey the instruction that Jude gives us in this epistle to contend for the faith. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.